This is Winning with ADHD, a podcast for parents to empower students. Build up your ADHD teens so that they recognize their own talents, creativity, and uniqueness. Get tips and tricks to help overcome executive functioning challenges. Listen to stories and experiences of what worked and what did not. Together, let's find ways to build your child's self-esteem and start winning with ADHD. And now, here's your host, Heather Walker. Hi, friends. This is Heather Walker, and I'm here to talk to you about sleep routines for the month of February. And that is going to be our area of focus and actionable item for this month. So if you listened to last month's podcast, you know that I was looking for ways to be able to share actionable items with you so that you could walk away with something in hand and be able to start um, taking action on it to see if it can help you to win with ADHD. And this month, I want to talk to you about sleep routines. This was something that probably is one of the areas where I feel like we've been incredibly successful in our parenting journey. There have been lots of different things that we've tried and done, and um, the sleep portion worked really well for us. We had a couple of benefits that really helped us, though, that as I was thinking about this was like, how did we kind of luck out in being good in this area? And if I Think back in time when um, our oldest was a little baby, Um, my husband was working really early and I can't remember if he had to be at work at 4 a.m. or if he was leaving at 4 a.m. to be at work at 5 a.m. Either way, ridiculously early in the morning. But because of that, he would be in bed and like lights out asleep by nine o'clock. And so it forced us to have a pretty strict sleep or evening routine as we were getting ready for the next day. Because let me tell you, if he didn't go to bed at nine and the next day came around, he was grouchy. And I think we can all pretty much say that if we do not get sufficient amounts of sleep, that we are less fun to be around. We're probably a little bit more snappy and, um, maybe short with people and, um, maybe just agitated and irritated, right? And so if we think about that as an adult, how we respond and how we react to situations when we haven't had enough sleep, think about what that looks like for a toddler or even an elementary schooler, a high schooler, et cetera, right? We're all the same in that way. What's different is is how we react when we are put in situations and we um, have had less sleep than we really should have. When we're a toddler, we throw a temper tantrum and we cry. And when we are in elementary school, we might kind of still do those same things, but it might um, show up in just different ways where they're just incredibly irritable and you just say one little thing and they're in tears, right? And so I think if we can apply what it's been like for us when we maybe stay up too late watching TV or, you know, scrolling social media or doing whatever it is that we wanted, um, that the next day we kind of have, we pay the consequences of that. And um, those around us also get to um, benefit from those consequences, I guess you could say. And so... um, If I go back to what it was like when our kids were little, we had that, I guess you could say privilege that um, he had to be in bed and he was meticulous about making sure he was in bed on time. And 
I used to complain about it at times because I'm like, well, we just got the kids to bed and like, I want some quiet time. And he'd be like, I'm going to bed. And so in a lot of ways, it was really hard, but I'm grateful for his consistent effort and making sure that he was in bed um, so that he would have a good day at work, but that also he'd be safe while he was driving and that when he came home, hopefully he would be pleasant with us um, after a long day at work and having a full night's sleep to prepare himself to be successful for the next day. And so um, I think that's probably one of the things that has been really helpful for us as a family to be consistent with our sleep routine. As time moved on, though, um, his job and his role changed and he was able to shift into a typical business day. Well, almost typical business day. He still goes to work earlier than um, a lot of us typically start, you know, maybe around eight or nine. He's usually by work around 7.30 or seven even. So he still has kind of that earlier schedule, but doesn't have to be in bed as early. And, um, but as we started kind of working through that a little bit and he had that change, we were able to maintain some consistency with our kids but what we also learned is that if we let our oldest daughter stay up later, that she wasn't able to handle the lack of sleep that came from it. I'm sure many of you know that those with ADHD tend to have a, a little bit more difficult of a time with going to sleep, but also maintaining sleep and um, being able to stay asleep all night long. And so there's lots of different things that we can do to help foster a really good sleep routine and hygiene, but also to help them um, get a good quality sleep. So just like with everybody else, there are some nights that we just don't sleep really well and there's other nights where we sleep great, but we wanna work on creating the best environment for us to have the best quality of sleep possible. So I'm gonna share with you what we've called our North Star routine, and it is, 100% driven around the sleep and the amount of sleep and the consistency in the sleep. So the first thing we do is we have a consistent bedtime and that pretty much holds true every day of the week. Now there are situations that come up where that doesn't hold true, where maybe we had an event or maybe we went out on the weekend or we did certain things that didn't allow for us to be in bed at that consistent time. Or maybe we stayed up and watched a movie. Like there's just so many different things that could happen. But if we make that choice that we're going to stay up as a family and watch a movie and that the bedtime is going to be pushed, that we make sure that we are really on point the next couple of days or even seeing if there's an opportunity to potentially sleep in the next day. And if there isn't an opportunity to sleep in, we start to have conversations about what does the next day look like? And when our kids were younger, we clearly weren't having a conversation with our kids saying, well, we're gonna go to bed a half an hour later tonight. Tomorrow you're gonna be grouchy, but this is how you're gonna deal with it. That isn't really like what it works like with a four-year-old. But what you can do is you can say, well, I know that they're going to bed later tonight, that they're going to have less sleep. We're going to have to either get up early or not be able to sleep in to capture that full night's sleep of um, recommended number of hours. Or I would like to also add, not necessarily recommended number of hours, but the number of hours that that individual needs in order to be um, set up for success for that next day. And so you can 
prepare yourself and say, well, I know that my four-year-old is going to go to bed late and I know that we have to get up at the same time or that we're not going to be able to sleep in as late as we would hope with this schedule. And so by doing that, you can prepare for the next day. Is it possible that you can have a quiet time the next day? Is it possible that you make sure that you as the parent are incredibly aware of the fact that they're going to have less sleep and probably be a little bit more grouchy um, as you get to those afternoon hours? And then is it possible that maybe they can go to bed on time or maybe even a little bit earlier that evening? Maybe if they're not taking naps right now, they could take a small nap or maybe they fight naps and you could just create an environment where they might take a small little nap um, without it being like an announced activity of like, let's go take a nap, right? Um, if you're working with a teenager or a tween, you could have a conversation with them and say, hey, we're going to be going later to bed later tonight. I know that you don't handle this well. Kind of remind them of what has happened in the past and say, what are some things that we can do? I, we're not going to be able to sleep in. So um, what should we do to help with that? And the other option that you could do is just remind them when they're being a little bit irritable about how sounds like we didn't get enough sleep last night. Maybe we could take a few minutes for ourselves and rest, and then we can come back to homework or whatever it is that is needed to be done at that time. So North Star Routine is 100% focused on a consistent bedtime. Along with that kind of comes like this consistent getting like time to get up. And so um, what we've noticed in our child and every child will be different. So one of the important things to take away here is what are the, the trends that you're seeing with your child in relation to these types of activities and routines and how have they shown up when they didn't have enough sleep? How have they shown up when they got up at the same time, went to bed at the same time versus maybe went to bed at the same time, but even let them sleep in later. So what we've noticed is that we cannot let our daughter sleep in a, a large number of hours past her normal time to get up or sleep for a longer period of time than her normal time, because it's almost like we get the exact same effect of not having enough sleep. And so that's what we've learned for our daughter and for our family and our situation. And so um, North Star routine, consistent bedtime, consistent time to get up. But then along with that comes the consistency around the routines to help make sure that we're successful with that. In order to be in bed at the same time every day, you have to make that your priority. And that's why it's that North Star is because Everything we do is based around what does it take for us to get to bed at our designated bedtime? So when do we need to start brushing teeth? Is it a shower day? Did we, what time do we need to be in the shower by? How long does it take for a shower? Um, I know a lot of kids with ADHD struggle with um, time management, therefore getting in the shower, time in the shower, getting out of the shower can be extended longer than what would be expected for a typical shower. What do we need to do in order to make sure that schoolwork is done or um, that dinner is done, chores are done? How do we facilitate all of those things running as smoothly as possible to make sure that the bedtime is the primary goal and focus and that we're consistent in being able to get there. So 
it takes a lot of very intentional activities to be able to drive to that end goal. In our household, we have a skylight calendar. We use it as one of our technology devices to help us run our household. Another one that we use is an Amazon Alexa to help us move things along the way that we would like to. So we use the Alexa to um, for timers. We use it to play music. We use it to um, set up alarms to go off at certain times in the day to remind us to move and get something done. Um, we use the skylight calendar because it creates the chore chart and it populates it every day and they can see it and mark it off and it is on our kitchen counter. I personally hate having tons of things on our kitchen counter, but this has actually been a really good move for us because it helps remind me because it's a visual trigger of, hey, I still see chores on the list. I can see that you've completed six out of the 12 items that you need to do today. And I listed 12 items that might sound like a lot, but we've literally put everything on there from a morning routine to an afternoon routine and an evening routine, such as brushing teeth, um, what days are shower days, if what chores they had that day. Um, if there's any one-off item that comes up, we add it in there to remind them to get that done. Um, and if they don't check those things off, they roll over to the next day. So in some ways, that's really awesome. Like if there was an extra chore that they needed to do that they didn't do, it rolls over. But if you don't check off that you've brushed your teeth for five days in a row, you now have six days worth of brushing your teeth on that list, which can be a little bit frustrating. So that because of that, it has really forced my husband and I to take time to say, did we get everything done? Okay, you forgot to brush your teeth this morning. Awesome. I still we still need to mark it off so that we can move on to the next day. So we kind of start with that clean slate every day. The skylight calendar also throws confetti when you're done and says congratulations, you finished all of your tasks, which is super fun as well. And so having that very intentional mindset around hitting that routine and specifically that bedtime that has been set. Now, if you have little kids and you have not created this type of environment, maybe you have a very inconsistent schedule where, you know, one night they're in bed at seven, the next night it's 10 and, and whatever, um, it, it'll take a minute to be able to get your toddler onto a schedule that makes sense um, and that you can be consistent about. However, it won't be as difficult as if you have older kids who have been used to staying up really late, watching TV on their phone or watching TV or playing video games or whatever it is that they might be doing. You're going to have to go about it in a different way. With a toddler, you can just work on like inching back that bedtime and then maintaining some consistency. Um, so you could, let's say they're going to bed at 10 and they're really grouchy and you move it back to 945 and you do that for a few days and then you move it back to 930 and then you do that for a few days. With a toddler, that would be something that as an adult, you can kind of control and adjust as needed with consistent effort on your part. But if you have a teenager, they're 
a little bit more independent. They have um, some feelings around being told what to do. Um, the fact that they've been able to stay up, say, till midnight, but they are so, so grouchy and not doing well in school and things. And then pulling that back is going to take a little bit of work. I'd recommend that with a teenager that you have a conversation with them, treat them in a sense like they're an adult, get their feedback, ask some questions, maybe start to showcase to them what their day looks like when they haven't gotten enough sleep. Um, sleep is a huge part of how we function as human beings. If we don't have enough sleep, we're groggy, we're grouchy, we're like kind of snarky in our responses, but our cognitive ability to be able to digest information and to be able to show up and do our best work is significantly impacted by not having enough sleep. And then there's also a difference between not having enough sleep for one night a week or you know a couple nights a week versus an ongoing consistency of, of or consistent um, schedule that does not allow for enough sleep to where it starts to really impact your ability to show up and recall information, to retain information um, in the first place, to even be able to recall it, um, and how we show up as a whole. I think we can all kind of remember days that we've shown up at school um, or even worked more recently where we're just so tired. It's really hard to show up and be able to do what is being asked of you. Um, to be able to remember what's being said or to even care what's being said. And so if we think about our child who is in elementary school up to high school even, um, or even if you're in college and you happen to be listening to this or learning about this, um, to be able to do your best work um, at any stage of life. And so if you have a child who has ADHD, who's already going to struggle with remembering their book bag or bringing home their assignment or um, being able to listen to information that is less than um, interesting to them and then being able to uh, report back or um, show that they've learned the information or being able to absorb it long term is already going to be difficult for them. And then you add in the fact that they're not having that consistent routine um, or sleep hygiene. And you're just adding on an additional layer of um, an inability to create success day in and day out for them as a, as a person and how they show up. And so a lot of the side effects that you see from lack of sleep mimic what you see from having ADHD. And so when you have somebody who is already having to overcome so many hurdles as it is, and then you're just kind of like magnifying those types of hurdles by not giving enough sleep, um, just creates the snowball effect um, that is going to continue to make it more and more difficult. And then one of the other things that is really, really important to note here is that lack of sleep is... Um, starts to create like a health snowball as well from potentially being able to have um, diabetes, um, being able to have other health issues. But the one that stood out to me as I was researching about the impacts of sleep was that it could aid in depression. And as we, I well, 
whether you know or not, ADHD often is combined with comorbidities such as anxiety and depression and lack of sleep aids in um, feelings and situations of depression. And so we're just kind of, again, kind of compounding the hurdles that are already in front of those with ADHD by a lack of sleep. And so having this as a top priority in my opinion, is probably one of the best things that you can do for yourself as an as a person, human being in this world, to show up and enjoy life at its fullest at everything that you're participating in, but also helping to set up your child for success in making sure that they have enough sleep. So if you have a toddler, you're probably not going to get a ton of pushback about what time it is because Time is not necessarily something that they notice or are aware of. If you have somebody that's probably the age of nine or 10 or older, it's going to look a little bit different if you're needing to make some big adjustments to your schedule and routine. I believe one of the first ways that you can go about this is talking about you and saying, I've been really struggling to show up at work the way that I want to. I'm tired. And when I get home from work, I'm grouchy and I'm tired of being grouchy with you around these types of things. And so I'm going to work on going to bed earlier. And I believe that this could help you. And so you know your child the best on what type of conversation you could have or what different things you could say that might help get them on board. But I would recommend doing it in 15 minute increments. If you're not going to bed until 1 a.m., then start going to bed at 12.45. Do that for a little bit and then work your way back a little bit more. You can look up by Googling what are the recommended number of hours of sleep per night for you know, a, an elementary school teen or adult. Um, utilize that as a resource to start um, identifying how many hours of sleep you're getting, but also how many you're missing the mark on and how you feel each day. Um, creating a routine in the evening that helps create success for hitting that time frame we talked about a little bit, but also what creates success for the morning. A lot of times people are like, we're just always in such a big rush, or I couldn't find my shoes, or, you know, um, a whole slew of different things that makes their morning go bad. Um, having a rough morning typically will set the tone for the entire day. We can all work on ways to not allow that to happen, but isn't it so much better when your morning goes well that the rest of the day kind of is more likely to fall in line. And so if you're constantly looking for your keys or your shoes or your coat or trying to get all of your um, assignments in your book bag, trying to make sure that you have everything you need for a project that's coming up, do that the night before because it sets you up for success. And then when you go to sleep and you're in your bed, you're not having to think about, oh, wait, I need to get this or don't forget this in the morning, right? Because inevitably something will go awry in the morning and then you're running around with your head cut off like a chicken, as they say, and you have created all of this um anxiety and uh, energy that is hurried and rushed, and it just kind of carries over to the rest of the day. So if we're thinking about ultimately what we want is to be as successful as we possibly can each and every day, it requires very intentional efforts on our part to say, 
Let's go ahead and get ready for the morning. Let's set out our clothes. Let's put our shoes by the door. If we have our backpack, when we finish our homework, let's put everything where it belongs and set it by the door. Maybe we go ahead and get out our deodorant and our, um, if we take medication or vitamins or um, our cup for our breakfast, if you have prepackaged breakfast of some si of kind, some kind, or maybe you make toast, go ahead and get the materials that you need out so that you can just naturally flow through your morning almost effortlessly to be able to get everything that you need to done. Some of the things that we do to get ready for both our bedtime routine and our morning routine is our kids. We have a kitchen island and our kids have their deodorant, their vitamins or medicine that they take, um, a cup for their for their water in the morning. If they already know what they want for breakfast, they get those items out and have them out on the counter ready to go. Um, their hairbrush is out, their clothes are ready to go, their shoes are by their door, by the door, the book bag is loaded and ready to go by the door. If they're driving, um, their keys are there with their phone is plugged in by the skylight. Um, that's another thing that we do at night is our skylight. We created a little like a uh, docking station for all of our phones and watches and everything that we need. And we plug everything in right there. So it's all plugged in. We don't worry about that. Our phone's not charged in the morning, that our watch isn't charged. We have everything ready to go. Um, it also helps with the nighttime routine to make sure that we've got all of the phones, that they're in the kitchen plugged in. So another way to help with that nighttime routine is turning off screens. It's recommended that you do not have blue light or screens two hours before bed. We have not followed that. We have not been great at that. Um, but we do make sure that phones are in the kitchen, in the living room, they're not in the bedrooms, and that they're plugged in before it is the bedtime. And so those are some rules that we've set up at our house because it's really hard to go to sleep if you're watching reels or other funny videos on TikTok or YouTube or whatever it might be because it's keeping your attention Another reason why that might be um, something that you or your kids might want to do is watch those videos and things is kind of to disassociate with the world that day. Maybe it was because, you know, you had a bad grade that day or uh, there was a fight. You had a fight with your kid or your kid had a bad day at school or you had a bad day at work. And so we use that time to kind of completely remove ourselves from the world and have what we call kind of quiet or veg time. And sometimes that means that you can sit there and you can watch videos all hours of the night. And if they're entertaining and catch your interest, you're not going to go to sleep and you're going to keep watching them. And the next thing you're going to know it is three o'clock in the morning and you have to be up at six. And so you have three hours of sleep. And so we want to make sure that we're creating an environment. That one can be really hard. Screen addiction is a true and real thing. And we utilize screen time to help with that as well. So our kids are maxed out at two hours per day of screen time. So once that timer goes off and their phone says your time is up, they are unable to use it for games or anything else that may be available to them. I also recommend if you 
have phones for your kids that um, you consider limiting what is available to them on our on their phone. Um, we've learned a lot of things as our kids have grown and having access to all of these amazing technology devices that allow us to have access to so much. There is a happy medium of what that looks like. And so limiting the amount of time that's there is really, really beneficial. If you haven't done that, and you, again, you have a child that is starting to get into that tween and um, teen age, it is going to be, uh, it's not like you can just decide you're not going to have that anymore and start to cut it back. You're going to have to have conversations and work it in and start to pull it back in increments, right? Because nobody likes to have something just cut off cold turkey. It's a hard adjustment. And so being aware of that and working with them and having conversations with them will be a huge part of your success and being able to accomplish your end goal. One of the other things that I've learned in making big adjustments with our family is that I need to be okay with them being mad at me. And that is something that I've learned through therapy, but also in general, that when I am super um, tied to the choice that I've made and I'm unwavering in my decision, it doesn't matter how mad they are at me. But if I'm uncertain about my decision or I feel bad or I want them to not be mad at me, then I tend to waver more. And so you need to make some decisions and you need to be able to decide what is my comfort level with their response to this? What is my comfort level with the decisions I've made? Winning with ADHD is brought to you by Disrupt ADHD. Head on to disruptadhd.com slash learn more.